Special thanks to all of our patrons over on Patreon. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you want to support the show that way, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Fantasy Brothers Podcast. This is, this is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh and Ben here with you. We are talking fantasy football. We are stoked. We are ready to hop into the episode. We have a little bit of a curveball episode, actually. Something I haven't seen before, but I feel like it's going to be a fun one. We're doing our least favorite picks in every single... Well, not every round. In the first 10 rounds. Because I'll be honest with you... Past the eleventh round, all of them are are pretty bad. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking for names I recognize at that point. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, oh, Jarek McKinnon, he was good last year, right? This guy's still in the league. All right. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of. I liked them two years ago. And and here they are. Um. So yeah, least favorite picks. We've got a little bit of some mailbag on the episode as well. Before we get into all that, though. Quick little announcement to make, twofold announcement actually. Uh, number one, on our Patreon, we have our full rankings and projections for the 2023 season. We've got 1.0 and version 1.5 up on the Patreon right now in the $2 tier. So if that's something that you want, it's got you know the top 30 quarterbacks, top 55 running backs, top 75 receivers, top 30 tight ends, full projections, stats for every NFL team. It's a fun time. It's a big, chonky PDF that should help you crush your drafts this year. You can use it as a cheat sheet. It's a fun time. If you'd like that, go check us out on Patreon. I'll leave a link to the description for that. And also, if you enjoy the show, but maybe don't want to pay money for some rankings and projections, best way you can support the show, you can leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. A bunch, and it helps us out in the algorithms, lets other people know to listen to the show. All right, there's my one spiel. More, one more better is that. <laughs> that's Cam Peel, right? No, that's a, it's a Dang old it. YouTube, YouTube video. Uh, it's, a, it's a TV reverend, Reverend Charles. You probably remember oh. Reverend Charles from school. Do I, don't I? Mean, I, I don't think his videos are real, but he would always just like come on in, ask for money, be like, I, I would come and get the tithes. <laughs> And offerings. <laughs> my name is my name is Reverend Charles. Oh, I love it. It was funny. Oh, I, even, I even come to you. What more better is that? <laughs> oh man, that's good. Why don't we just hop straight into some news? We have one news story <clears throat> that is a pretty big deal that Ben is hot and bothered by. Mr. Jonathan Taylor was permitted to seek a trade by the Indianapolis Colts. The only snag is that they are apparently wanting a first-round pick or equivalent value to a first-round pick in return for Jonathan Taylor. So, long story short, they're kind of just toying with him, I think. So, you can go get a trade. Absolutely. Go find (laughs) you a trade so that we can deny it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, 
it, he's not going to get traded. That's no. what's really funny about this. I don't think because so. I hope it happens. Let's put. It, I sincerely hope it happens. It probably anybody's going to pay for his fantasy value. Nope, nobody. There, there are places that can be good. Okay, let's let's go through. Since we're allowing ourselves to explore a scenario that will, in fact, never happen. Let's do that. Let's just look at some places where Jonathan Taylor could go, and it would be better for him for fantasy because, let's face it, there's quite a few of them. Lead us off. Where should he go? Uh, I think the top spot's Miami. That's kind of a glaring, obvious one. It makes it makes too much sense for it to happen. Yeah. They need a running back. They haven't gotten a free agent running back. They have a great team. They have a shot at a championship. They're obviously going for a championship. So let's let's just go fill the one hole in the team with a 24-year-old running back who led the league in rushing two years ago. That's it makes that far too great. much sense. Guy who a guy great. who leads the NFL in his first three years in yards per attempt at 5.1. No one else has done that. Imagine Jonathan Taylor in that 49ers West Coast zone running. I don't know if it's West Coast, but that zone run system. That would just that would not be fair. Look, if Raheem frankly. Mostert and Jeff Wilson and those guys can thrive in that offense, can you imagine what a guy who literally is one of the top in real life, he's a top five, potentially top three running back in the league. He's he's very good. People seem to sleep on the fact Jonathan Taylor is very good. Yeah. The Dolphins so far in preseason have doubled up the Colts in rushing yardage. So just that little that little tidbit there. Um, I threw out the Chiefs just because, I mean, anytime Again. any good player comes available, <laughs> We've said the this. Chiefs get involved. We're like, DeAndre Hopkins wants a trade. Okay, Chiefs, go get him. Like, I don't but know. also, there's Anybody. the added, there's the storyline here of a couple years ago when the Chiefs took Clyde Edwards Alaire in the first round. The argument leading up into that draft was is it Clyde Edwards Alaire or is it Jonathan Taylor? And obviously the correct answer there would have been Jonathan Taylor they, or they frankly anyone else because <laughs> Clyde is not nearly as good as like <clears throat> six other backs in that draft. I know, uh, I'm just looking through names. Obviously Jonathan Taylor would be better. Cam Akers are better. I know you hate him, but can you imagine if DeAndre Swift had started his career in that offense? That would have been great. Yeah. Yep. Who else was in that draft class? I'm pretty sure J.K. Dobbins was in that draft class as well. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins. He's better than C.E.H. There's got to be one I'm not thinking of, but, I mean, we just listed yeah. four. Yeah, all better. Um, also, Chicago, I feel like, is another one. I know it's a rushing quarterback, but I feel like they are so committed to the run that Jonathan Taylor could still thrive in that offense. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think Chicago – I mean – I could see where they would want him, but I don't think Chicago is in position to or has really the means to go get him because they definitely can't yeah, pay it first because your first is probably top 10. You ain't going to pay that for him. If, no. Like the Chiefs won't pay the 31st overall pick, then Chicago's not going to pay the 10th overall pick. <laughs> right, right. I think, yeah, I, I think, go ahead. No, I just, I don't, <laughs> it's really hard to do this whole exercise because no team is going to pay a first round pick for Jonathan Taylor and then pay him $60 million or whatever it costs to, to bring him in. Yeah. It, it shocks me though. Like say you've got a team like Miami, I think I don't know their cap space situation, but I'm pretty sure they have money free that they yes. could use to give him. And it would make a lot of sense to go there. 
Um, like Dallas, they've got some money. But like, think about somebody like the Bills or the Chiefs. You know, like they're one of the top three teams in the league. So worst, best case scenario, you just paid the 32nd overall pick for Jonathan Taylor. Right. Worst case scenario, you paid the 29th overall pick for Jonathan Taylor. That's a glorified second round pick. Like, yeah, you're at the very, very bottom of the first round. Why wouldn't you go ship that off? Like, say you rework some contracts and you can give him two years, $30 million. Give him 15 a year. Make Do whatever he wants to do. You paid one first-round pick, and you get a running back who's in his prime. He's one of the best in the league for a two-year championship window. That, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. I think maybe the, the pushback in terms of, like, on the field, uh, maybe the pushback argument would be all those teams, their identity is in the passing game, and Jonathan Taylor obviously is not a wide receiver, nor is he really the focal point of a team's passing game. So I could see a team being like, we're not going to go pay a high capital pick, like a second rounder, and then immediately go pay $15 million a year to a running back, no matter how good he is, just because, like, um, you know, philosophically, they just don't want to do it. I could see it being that sort of a deal as well. Yeah. And I agree there. I just, for me, that's why Miami makes the most sense is because obviously they have Hill and Waddle and that's the yeah. focal point of their offense, but they do, you know, what Mike McDaniel's coming from is a run focused system. And he has shown that he like Miami can run the ball with those guys. So that would make the most sense. I also think Minnesota Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Shatter the dreams yeah. of the Alexander Madison people. But you just, <laughs> you would. go and get, you basically reset the clock on your running back room. Dalvin Cook, was like, that's Jonathan Taylor three years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that would that would make sense to me as well. Yeah, Minnesota would. Miami, I think Miami is probably the only team that I can, that I can think of anyway that would acquire Jonathan Taylor and then most likely instantly become a Super Bowl contender. I also they're feel on that like, fringe, and they're they're like one. I feel like they are one piece away from being right there. So I could see them being like, you know what, f it, let's go get him. Yeah, I mean they were they were on the cusp last year before Tua got hurt, and of all like the big name teams, like obviously everybody wants to like, oh yeah, let's go put him on the Bills, let's go put him on the Chiefs, and yes, that's all great in theory, but logistically it would be extremely hard for those teams to do so. Miami's the only one that like. I could see them actually pulling this off with yeah. their um, with their cap space, and I, I could see the, I could see them be like, "All right, fine, have have our first round pick. We're hoping it's late anyway." Or the cheap the uh, Colts also said they want like a first or equivalent value in picks. So I don't know, send him send a second round and maybe a fourth, fifth. I don't know what equivalent NFL value is technically there. But a second and a fourth, and John, go get yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't. Again, none of this will happen. He won't get traded. Most likely, he will uh, just play for the Colts. I this love. Year. I love Jim Irsay saying that Jonathan Taylor is not is not worth what he's worth. We're not going to pay him market value, but we're going to ask for market value. <laughs> When we try to That's trade what him, they always otherwise do. we're not going to trade him. That's what they always. You're not do. worth it, but we're not going to trade you for that. 
We're not yeah, going to trade you for what we value you as. They don't want to pay him Christian McCaffrey money, but they want Christian McCaffrey value. That's not how this works, guys. Yeah. Yep. All right. That's it for news. You want to hop into our least favorite picks in every round, one through ten. Sure. All right. This let's is, lead things off. Yeah. To preface this by saying we're assuming this is a twelve-team league. Yes, we are assuming twelve-team leagues, and you know, not all of these are bad picks per se. It's just maybe the least great pick in a round because I do think these first couple rounds. Uh, I mean, these are really good players, but just in terms of the guys going around them, I would prefer other guys, and so they end up being the guy that's like, well, he's kind of the odd man out. Um, but then as we get further into it, there's definitely some picks in here that just are gross. So we'll get into those later. But the first one here, he goes as the last pick in the first round right now in ADP, and he is the least great pick in the first round in this list. It's C.D. Lamb. That's kind of low-hanging fruit there. It is. If he's it the is. last pick in the first round, then obviously he's the worst pick in the first round. Right. I sort of looked at it like just, uh, I guess, factoring risk, to be honest with you. I do think you can make an argument for Cooper Cup based on where he goes and the potential risk of, like, the Rams just collapsing inside themselves like a dying star. I could see that, but I, I don't believe the Cooper Cup's a bad pick. I believe he's a great pick, but I can see the argument for that based on where you have to draft him. Um, really, this is like, you know, Stefan Diggs, Nick Chubb. I really want to take them. I like him a lot. Bijan Robinson, like him a lot. Saquon Barkley, he's awesome. Um, so it just is like, well, I guess CD's kind of the odd man out. Um, would I rather take him than Nick Chubb? No, not really. Would I rather take him than Saquon Barkley? Eh, probably not. So let me let me ask you this. Um, say those guys are off the board. You're at 12, and it, it has gone perfectly like that. You got Cup, Barkley, Bijan, Chubb, Diggs all off the board. Are, are, is that – would you take somebody other than CD there? Mm, I'd probably – I mean, I'd think about him and A.J. Brown go – right beside each other. I would think about that one because I don't really know which one of those two I would prefer right now. I think my rankings say I prefer A.J. Brown, so I might default to that. But, you know, coin flip. So this is more of like, say you're sitting at like pick 10. I'm not taking CD there. I'm taking Chubb kind of thing. Yeah, I would I would prefer Chubb there, okay. personally. But again, CD is down still that. a good pick. This is, this is like... <laughs> He's the worst pick, and he's going to finish as a wide receiver one. So, like that. Exactly. We're, yeah. Yeah. This is like the least of the great picks. <laughs> this like is CD this Lamb is not is still the meat pick. of this episode. Like first round right. picks, it is truly hard to screw up unless you're drafting Patrick Mahomes at, yeah. at with your first round pick. Is really hard to mess up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Second round. This one. Probably feels a little bad, Ben. We Who just talked about him. It's Jonathan Taylor. I want to disagree with you, but I can't. <laughs> I figured that would be the case. <laughs> you know I like Jonathan Taylor. In many of my dynasty leagues, I'm heavily invested in Jonathan Taylor, but I I can't justify a second-round pick on a guy with this many questions. Like I, 
We don't we don't know if he's going to get traded. He may not even get traded. And if he does get doesn't get traded, is he going to play? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of questions, and that's why he's here. Because I think if we knew he was locked in, he was going to play, um, and also that he was going to be healthy. Because the other part of this is he does have this ankle injury lurking in the background that he hasn't. We haven't gotten confirmation uh, that he is fully back from it. He is milking this, is what all that is. Probably. It is <laughs> most likely contract-related. But also, at the same time, even though it's probably contract-related, there's still the narrative out there that the ankle's not right, which it's just it's just bad vibes, I guess, with Jonathan Taylor. And there's, there's really no security in a second-round pick for him right now. And so I, I don't want to take a player that could flame out and bust for my fantasy teams based on extenuating circumstances. And I think that there's like a potential out there that he just doesn't play this year. It's a very low percentage potential, but I think it's possible. Yeah. And the guys going around him, this is, I mean, obviously consensus ADP, but it's, it's, he's going ahead of Javon, Devontae Adams, Amonra St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, all guys who I'd probably take ahead of him. If I knew he was going to play for the Colts this year, so yeah. the fact that there's this many questions and he's going ahead of those guys, that's that's a bad pick. Yeah. The other guy I would mention here is probably Patrick Mahomes because he has an ADP of 14 right now. Um, I know I know Mahomes that's a is lot. good, guys. And people like say, <laughs> like, well, I won my league and draft Mahomes. Like, I get it, but I like there's a real world where and it's not that Patrick Mahomes is even going to be bad. He could be great for fantasy and still be like the fourth overall quarterback because you got guys like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts who are phenomenal for fantasy in their own right going around later who might finish higher than him. Right. Yeah, you especially with the onesie positions like with wide receivers and quarterbacks or wide receivers and running backs. This doesn't really matter that much. You know, if I draft Devontae Adams, and he finishes behind Amon Ross St. Brown, who went five picks later. Eh, big whoop. You know, no big deal. But if you draft Patrick Mahomes with that premium pick, and then Lamar Jackson, who goes a full round later, finishes one spot ahead of Patrick Mahomes, you're leaving a lot on the table in terms of acquiring value. Yeah, you could have, if you can walk away with, you know, you got A.J. Brown is going around Patrick Mahomes, Derrick Henry. Yeah, Devontae Adams, like, oh, it's yeah. I, so I don't again, get it. he's a he's a great player, but just the do, players do not that you're get leaving on the board, <laughs> right? Don't hear what we're not saying. Patrick Mahomes is great, but in a yeah. one quarterback redraft league, he is not worth a early second round pick. Yeah. All right. Third round. I'm still seeing him go at the end of the third, and yeah, I guess it's just. It's just the market hasn't fully uh, appreciated the situation yet. But Brees Hall is our least favorite third-round pick. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Dalvin Cook showed up. Uh, it's not going to be a uh, one-man show in that backfield, at least initially. And we have Brees Hall right now, I think, is like our RB21 or something. So... Yeah, that's just not a good pick in the third round. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, I, I like it from a sense of obviously late in the season, I think he's got league winning potential. Once he gets going full steam, 
but he's still capped late season because of Dalvin Cook barring injury. So, right, I, I can't justify it. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's super into taking Brees Hall in the third round right now. I think you know he was top of the third round a week ago, and now he's like the last pick in the third round. So ADP like it is, is slowly dropping. it's collect it's correcting itself, but it is right. taking time. I am curious though because this is not the usual situation that we're going to see with these. He kind of makes the list because he's still technically going in the third round, but I don't think by the time ADP settles, he'll be a third round pick. Where do you think his ADP ends up settling? And also, where would you want to take him in drafts? I think I feel good with a fifth rounder. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Like, we're talking like Miles, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins area. I would probably take Sanders. I would take Sanders. But that's, I think, where the cutoff is. Like, I'm going to take him over... Dobbins, I'm going to take him over Acres. I'm going to take him over Alexander Madison. I like I'm taking him over all of these guys. Yeah. I'm okay with that. All right. Fourth round. We have a tie here. <laughs> this shocks you cuz you couldn't believe he went there, but Damian yeah. Pierce is a fourth round pick. Um to me he's the clear and obvious worst pick in the fourth round. You also threw in JK Dobbins here. Uh, so it's sort of a tandem. <laughs> I'm also just a known J.K. Dobbins hater, and you are too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, not, we are not a J.K. Dobbins podcast. If you like J.K. Dobbins, you got find, go find you a Ravens fan because this, <laughs> this ain't it. Um, yeah, Damian Pierce. Uh, I don't, I don't understand him being in the fourth round. To be totally honest with you, uh, he looked good in spurts last year, but. The issue is he had zero competition in the backfield last year. He was a true workhorse for a bad team. And, you know, he still was not, in terms of, like, fantasy points per game, I think he was, like, RB 16 or something, 17, um, which is not – it's not a great fourth-round pick. It's sort of on par, I guess. Um, but they brought in Devin Singletary. And that's the real big issue with the Damian Pierce pick is because I feel like Devin Singletary is going to eat up a huge chunk of that backfield that Damian Pierce had all of last year. Uh, and this team is not going to be significantly better than they were a year ago. They're going to probably be a little bit better, but they're still not a good team. And you've got a, a backfield that could end up being, and probably will, I projected to be a 50-50 split between Pierce and Singletary. So I don't want a committee back on a bad team. Let's put it that way. I will say I think I disagree with you a little bit in the fact that I, I think it is it's Pierce's backfield and Singletary will play a supporting role. This is my personal opinion. But at the same time, single like Pierce didn't really he was very good last year, don't get me wrong. And I think he's a he's a good player. But he didn't necessarily blow the top off last year. Anyway, he was, you know, I think he was. Where did he finish at last year? I, I I'm not sure remember. where he finished because he dealt with injury quite a bit. So yeah, he ended up in points per game. He was RB twenty three. So in half PPR, he averaged eleven point six. And that's when per he game. was. That's when it was his backfield and his alone. 
So I, I think he, I think he's the lead back, but Singletary hurts him. Yeah, it's the upside's just not there where he's being drafted. I'm sorry. Yeah. So like last year, the guy in town, he's the RB 23 in points per game. I would project him to be more like RB 29 in points per game with Singletary there. Like like looking at just ADP right now, I don't like Dobbins, but I would probably prefer Dobbins just because of the offense that he's on. I would. I would prefer Cam Akers. I would prefer James Conner. I would prefer Miles Sanders. And right now he's going ahead of all of those guys in ADP. And I, I can't get behind that. Yeah. I would I would literally prefer – I mean, we, we say we would prefer every other player in the fourth round, and we would. But, like, every single other running back that goes in the fourth round and a couple of them that go in the fifth, I'd prefer them over Damian Pierce. This yeah, is so. truly, like – Damian Pierce, to me, is one of the worst values in fantasy right now, in my opinion. And it's it's just because he's a starting running back. That's yeah. That's why people are yep. taking him. Uh, anything else on J.K. Dobbins before we hop into the fifth? Nope. Oh, we've said enough about him. We'll, we will leave J.K. alone. Fair enough. Uh, fifth round worst value, in our opinion, is George Kittle. Um, and it's not because George Kittle's bad. But because he's not great enough to be the best player or not the worst player in the fifth round, personally. I think, I don't know how you feel about it, Ben, but I think that this has a lot to do with the other values at tight end. Like, I would rather have TJ Hawkinson, who could go just a few picks ahead of him. I would rather have Darren Waller, and I would have a serious conversation between him and Dallas Goddard. I think him and Goddard are very similar and what they're going to be this coming upcoming year. But Goddard goes at the end of the sixth, and George Kittle goes middle of the fifth. Yeah, I, yeah, 100% agree with you. I mean, obviously, we've talked a whole lot about Hawkinson, which is my fault, but in ADP, Hawkinson is only a couple picks ahead of him, and I think for fantasy purposes, Hawkinson finishes a decent amount higher than Kittle points-wise. And I, I think Darren Waller gets finishes with more points than... Uh, James then George Kittle and Waller's going a whole round later. I think I still prefer him to Dallas Goddard, and a lot depends. Like if Purdy's good to go week one, I like Kittle more just because I, th- I think Purdy will distribute the ball better to him than the other quarterbacks on the roster. But yeah, I just I think there's better values at other positions, and when you can get Goddard and Waller an entire round later based on ADP. I, I don't like it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a little bit different with him just because he's not the worst player at value in the, in the fifth round. It's that there's better values at the same position later. Uh, especially the Darren Waller one, like Darren Waller to me is a significantly better value than George Kittle. And so 10 times out of 10, I'll wait and get Waller than grab Kittle earlier. Yeah. Sixth round. It's going to be going to be tense from here it. on out. Uh, you we can sort say of one have of the a tie here, but you can't say the other one. I'll make you say the other one. Okay. We got Dalvin Cook it. and I'm not saying it. We got Dalvin Cook slash DeAndre Swift. 
We can let this pause continue. <laughs> All right. With DeAndre Swift, I'm just going to get it out of the way. He goes you may talk one about pick Dalvin. later. You don't get to talk about you don't get to talk about Swift. Uh, listen, I'm going to give you I'll let you I'll let you give me the positive spin on DeAndre Swift. I will give you the floor for it. But before we do the positive spin, there's got to be a reason why he is one of the worst values in the sixth round. He goes one pick after Alvin Kamara. He goes one pick before Brandon Ayuk. He goes two picks after Tyler Lockett, three picks, or uh, sorry, five picks after Javante Williams. Um, it's not that I hate Swift the player. It's that I don't love the lack of clarity about his role in the Eagles offense. I feel like at different points this season, there's going to be three guys that are going to be carrying the rock. Um, I'm not fully sure that DeAndre Swift is the locked-in third down back. I'm not really sure who the goal line back is. So those two roles, even though I know Swift is a great pass catcher, supposedly the Eagles like Kenny Gainwell, and they haven't really given us any clarity about who their starter is. Obviously, if there is a scenario where Swift is the, you know, 60% of the backfield starter, that's valuable because last year, obviously, Miles Sanders was the RB13 in this backfield. But I don't really have conviction that that's the case, and I don't have anything to back up that that would be the case. And so I don't believe that's the case. And therefore, Swift, to me, in the sixth round feels really pricey. I will say I'm not taking him at that price point. There we go. But I think you're drafting him closer to his ceiling or perhaps, you know, middle of the pack. You're you're betting that he gets a lot more work. That You're betting that he's getting the guaranteed work here, basically, which mm-hmm. I am convinced you are not, I and I get that. I'm convinced he's the starter. Now – how much of a committee it is, I don't know. Obviously, Jalen Hurts takes away with own, with his own rushing, but I am I'm very convinced that he's the he's the lead back for this team. And if Miles Sanders, who I think Swift is probably a more talented running back than Miles Sanders, if Miles Sanders can get 1,200 yards last year with Kenny Gainwell still on the roster might I add, who you are convinced that the Eagles absolutely adore, then I think <laughs> Swift can have a very productive fantasy season on this team as well. I don't think he's going to hit Miles Sanders' number because they do they did bring in Rashad Penny. Kenny Gainwell is still there. But that's the starter, is DeAndre Swift. The other guy here is Dalvin Cook. I have him ranked at RB25. Cook in the sixth just feels pricey. Like, I think I would take him in the seventh, maybe. Um, also, like, the starter on their team is already on the team. Like Exactly. Brees, when he's healthy, <laughs> is going to be the starter. For sure. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. Like, you know, the argument against Swift is, obviously, I'm not sure he's the starter. Well, we know for a fact Dalvin Cook is not the starter. Uh, but like, Again, is Dalvin Cook not a better a... player than DeAndre Swift at this point in time? Probably. Will he be a better player next year? I don't know. Um, 
but Dalvin Cook is still a good player, and that's probably why he gets drafted in the sixth round. He's good. It's just you. It kind of depends on the league you're in, I guess, is you're going to have to be able to capitalize on Cook's value early. Mm-hmm. Like the first three weeks, you got to draft him knowing that you can trade him week four or something like that. Honestly. And if you if you if you know you can do that, sure, I'm OK with it. But if you are like gonna draft Alvin Cook, like I'm, I just want to lease him for the first four weeks. No, that's, I'll take a guy in the ninth round for that. I'm not, I'm not spending a six round pick when I can go and get another guy, like a Javante Williams or an Alvin Kamara, uh, Isaiah Pacheco or Rashad White, somebody who has upside. Yeah. Versus a guy who I know is going to lose his job by like week six. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, there's so many scenarios where this pick, if you take Dalvin Cook, just like sucks. You just burnt a pick and threw it into a a crescendo, a fireball. Just because Brees Hall is, I believe, and I don't know if you believe this, but you might. I think Brees Hall is a better player, healthy today. Uh, obviously we're not sure about his health. And so that's, that's where the question mark is. But like if Brees Hall had not torn his ACL, is Brees Hall a better player right now than Dalvin Cook? I believe so. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's like, (laughs) if Dalvin Cook is the RB 24 weeks into the season, that pick, you might as well have just thrown it in the toilet because for that pick to work, Dalvin Cook needs to be the RB 10 four weeks into the season. He needs to be absolute, and we we already think the offense for the Jets will be good. And I think even when Brees is there, the fact that you're paying Dalvin Cook ten million dollars, almost ten million dollars a year, like they're not just gonna stop using him. Like I I do. We we talked about it on the up on you know previous episodes. I think it's gonna kind of be probably like a seventy thirty. Like Dalvin will will be good the first few weeks of the season. And then they're going to slowly start easing Brees in. Middle of the season is probably going to be closer to 50-50. And then I'm guessing like a 60-40 split. So, by the... I can see the argument to taking him, but like, when it's week 10, you need a running back, and it's going to be like having to roll out. When it, when it was Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb out there, like, you didn't feel good rolling out Nick Chubb. Or, or I'm sorry, Kareem Hunt, knowing that Chubb's the starter, and you're just hoping that Hunt scores basically. And that's what I feel like you're going to be doing with Dalvin cook at the end of the season. I'm like, well, maybe he's going to score. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Number round number seven. We've got Isaiah Pacheco mentioned Pacheco. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Pacheco as our worst pick in the seventh round really quickly before you hop in, Ben. I just want to point out one thing with Pacheco, okay? Well, it's two things. He had 830 yards rushing last year. Seems pretty decent, right? He had 14 targets, and in half PPR, he was the RB 46 in points per game with those 830 rushing yards. There you go. It's a good offense. It is a good offense. (laughs) That's where the... 830 yards. That's not bad. Like, if he went out and ran for 900 yards this year, I'd be like, oh, it's a pretty good season for Pacheco. But he doesn't catch passes. 
and he's also not like he's not going to score in close. He had five rushing touchdowns last year, but the Chiefs don't run the ball two yards and in. They throw the ball two yards and in. They throw it to Travis Kelsey. They run swing passes. They have Kadarius Tony. They you know they do all this stuff. They don't run the ball super close to the goal line. And so is Isaiah Pacheco going to score 15 touchdowns? Absolutely not. Is he going to catch passes? No chance. So, you know, what? how valuable is the starting role in the offense? Not super valuable. And also, the other part of this is he did most of his work when Clyde Edwards-Alay was injured last season. And I was going to say, CEH will be the pass catcher when he's back. Not saying or that Jared I think McKinnon. C- not saying that I think CEH is going to be that valuable for fantasy or really worth even a look, but he'll be the pass catcher. He's better at that than Pacheco. Yeah, I mean, there's three backs in this offense, and I think they'll all cannibalize each other to where none of them are super valuable. The only one that I could see an avenue for them being good this year is sort of the same way that Jarek McKinnon was good last year. And it would be Jarek McKinnon again this year. Like if Jarek McKinnon he, does that exact same thing, because he caught a ton of passes. Whichever running back is going to catch five passes a game from Mahomes, that's probably the one you want. And likely none and of them gonna are going to do And that he's going to be dirt cheap. So that's the only reason you want him. Right. So, yeah, Pacheco in the seventh, I, I would not want him. No. Anything else on Pacheco? Don't mind him as a person, really. He's okay. Oh, I'm seems sure he's like a great guy. Seems like a nice guy. <laughs> I'm sure he is a great guy. Um, okay, eighth round. We've got David and Joku. And I don't know. David and Joku is a very interesting pick in fantasy football this year. I don't know how you, I'm curious how you feel about him, Ben, because I don't think we've talked about David and Joku once on this podcast. We we sort of did. On the tight end ranking show, when you said oh, that right. after yep. after tight end seven, it doesn't matter. I actually did mention Njoku as one of the ones that I I kind of do like him. So I sort of sort of kind of disagree with this pick, but this is also on the caveat like he's going ahead of Jordan Addison and yeah. this Jahan Dotson. I yeah. don't agree there, but if you punted on tight end. He is really, in my mind, the cutoff of like I all right after after Njoku, I don't care. But I actually do think Njoku's got some sneaky upside. So if if you know JSN is off the board, who we actually did not bring JSN. this up in the news section, broke a broke a bone in his hand. Oh yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't be an issue. They said he may be ready for week one. I'm not counting on it. But it's not it's not like a an injury that, that that's as big a deal. It it'll heal just fine. So yeah. Spoiler alert, JSN, we didn't talk about it earlier, but he broke a bone in his hand. His ADP, I still disagree with it. He's going at pick eighty eight. So I'm I'm all taking of these there guys, with the hand. All of these guys so JSN goes one pick ahead of David and Joku right now. Jordan Addison a pick after, Jahan Dotson two picks after, so on and so forth. I mean those are clear and obvious to me like those guys are all way undervalued and so the problem for David Njoku I agree that David Njoku has some upside but 
if I take David Njoku here in the eighth round, I'm passing potentially on JSN, on Jahan Dotson, on Jordan Addison. I'm not willing to do that at all. So I think I think I, I agree with you on the caveat that those guys are off the board. Or that, that they're still like one of those guys is still on the board. If one of those three is still there, yes, I take them. However, I I would personally think they take they go ahead of him anyway. And if I'm taking David and Joku here, that means I passed on tight end. So all my other positions were good. And he's really the cutoff of tight ends in my mind. So I don't yeah. feel good doing it here, but if you have to do it, but don't overdraft him basically like if some of those other guys are on the board yeah i mean i i would still rather take like gabe davis is there in the eighth round and he was the wide receiver 26 last year he's going as the wide receiver 39 which feels really dumb um khalil herbert's also there too and khalil herbert has averaged five yards for his nfl five yards of carry for his nfl career has looked very, very good. So and the thought process be here. The would you rather take Gabe Davis in the eighth and then end up with Cole Komet as your tight end? Or would you rather take David Njoku in the eighth and go get Quentin Johnston in the next round? I would rather have Quentin Johnston than Gabe Davis, probably. So I think that that in that case scenario, I think that could be the move. Yes, but also you're talking to a guy who has not taken David Njoku in like any mock at all. Because I feel like I'm willing to take, I'm willing to get even nastier with it at tight end and take. I'll take Cole Komet. That's fine. I'll take Greg Dulcich. I'll take Dalton Kincaid. Um, we even did a post earlier today about if you're really wanting to punt and get nasty with it, take Jawan Johnson with like the last pick in your draft. And I guess I'm, I'm more of making your point sort of because I'm okay with it in the eighth, but there's a whole lot of caveats and criteria that have to be met for me to be okay with him in the eighth. So yeah, it's, it's not just a, yeah, that's value. That's good value. Take him. It's not unless you've a loaded up everywhere else and all you need is a tight end. And these other guys aren't on the board as well, so. Yeah, fair enough. There, He is an asterisk least valuable player yeah. in the eighth round. Yeah. All right, ninth round. I put down Jamal Williams. I agree with you here, too. Amazing, because I did not know how you would feel about this one. Yeah, the... Uh, I, just, I don't think he's a good player. <laughs> <laughs> He is currently going as the he's currently going at the nine oh one. So he is the top pick in the ninth round, and we think he's the worst pick in the ninth round. Look at the guys going below it. Like Rashad Penny's going right ahead of him. I don't love Rashad Penny either. That's not because I love Swift. I just I, I'm just kind of out on Rashad Penny. But yeah, fair enough. Coin flip between those two guys. Uh, Michael Thomas. I'd rather take the shot on Michael Thomas, who's going later. Traylon Burks, I'd rather take the shot there. Zach Charbonnet, I think Charbonnet's a better yep. player, and he's going to have yep. a bigger role on a better offense. Like, yeah, yep. give me Charbonnet. Smaj P. Uh, Ryan, same thing. Yeah. So, 
Daniel Jones, I, that, I think, is a value. Aaron jo- Aaron Rodgers feels like a potential value there in the ninth yeah, round. You've punted on quarterback. You're probably good at running back at this point. You don't need to be taking Jamal Williams. And A, it's it's a much smaller Dalvin Cook situation. I don't know if he's the starter to begin with. The Saints have already talked about bringing in a running back. They like worked out Kareem Hunt, and everybody thought they were going to sign him. They've got Kendra Miller there, who looked great, by the way, in the last preseason game. And you know that Alvin Kamara's coming back week three, and he's going to be the starter once he's there. So you have to just sit there and pray that on a worse – this offense is not going to be as good as Detroit's offense was last year either. He got all this work because DeAndre Swift missed a big chunk of time, so he was the only player there. And also, DeAndre Swift has – like never was a heavy carry guy. It was always Jamal Williams could come in and get 15 carries and that would allow Swift to get like 10 carries, but also, you know, a ton of targets as well. Yeah. And they, I mean, they really like Swift in the red zone too. Like when Lions got in the red zone, they put Swift in, which means obviously he's the better player. He just got 15 touchdowns because Swift missed so much time. So on the one yard line, give it to Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams was their goal line back, and, and he another, had oh, 14 touchdowns from the one-yard line. Another thing, I don't know necessarily, I haven't done the math, but how many do you think he scored after TJ Hawkinson left, too? Because that took another goal line target away from the Lions, too. Yeah. I don't know. I do know. I don't know how I know this, but I know he scored five touchdowns where Amon Ross St. Brown fell down at the one-yard line. So another, <laughs> he was, let's put it this way. He was incredibly lucky this year. So now you're going to a very murky offense with the starter that's coming in back in three weeks. So, yeah. And honestly, are we even convinced that he's going to start over Kendra Miller for those three weeks? I'm not. I'm not. Kendra I'm Miller not. looks really good. Yeah. I think it's, I don't, I don't want to get, over my skis on Kendra Miller. So I'm just going to say I think it's a complete 50-50 split between Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. And I, th- the scout, we did the full you know rookie scout before the draft. Kendra Miller was one of those guys that I was like, dude, I don't know where he's going to go, but if he gets good draft capital, I'll be very intrigued by Kendra Miller because he was a guy that was – in terms of just rushing ability, he was one of my favorite backs in the class. It was like him, Zach Charbonnet, obviously Bijan. Uh, but those are like my three just pure rushers. And then Jameer Gibbs is probably like the next guy in terms of just running. Um, but Kendra Miller was a great runner. Um, I didn't know how good he was going to be as a pass catcher. He had three catches for 30 yards in the preseason game. Yeah, he had a so pretty maybe like he's a good over the shoulder catcher. catch uh, in the red zone. I was flipping channels and I watched part of that game and I, I saw it, like I, I didn't know who it was I'm like holy crap who made that catch like oh that was Kendra Miller shoot you want to know something really funny Kendra Miller in that preseason game has had more receiving yards than J.K. Dobbins has had in any game in his entire NFL career I believe that <laughs> it's it's a low shot but <laughs> I thought that was really funny I appreciate it <laughs> All right, uh, tenth round. This one we have <laughs> ragged on this poor boy. <laughs> we, we have uh, Kadarius Tony is the worst pick in the tenth round. 
Um, what must we say about Mr. Kadarius Tony here? It's um, another one. He's on the Chiefs, so people are going to like him. Yeah, and there was a there was a moment, a blip, where people thought that he was going to be the wide receiver one for the Chiefs this year. It, no. I, Until I, somebody actually emerges outside of Travis Kelsey, I'm not buying into anyone on the Chiefs. Like, Rishi Rice, Justin Ross, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore. Like, I'm I'm not listening to you until I see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. He his best season. He's played two years already. He has managed 19 games in his previous two seasons. Yes, he has played 10 games <laughs> as the most games played in a season. So he missed six games his rookie year. He missed, what is what is math? <laughs> he missed eight games last year due to injury. Dude can't get on the field. He's already injured right now with a knee injury. And also his best season ever, his rookie year, he had 400 yards. And I think 193 of those came in one game. They did. <laughs> He had. I, I remember that game vividly because I was watching and I'm like, "Holy crap, Kadarius Tony's good!" And the entire fantasy community, like Dynasty, blew up over him. And like people were paying first round picks to go get Kadarius Tony. Like, holy cow, this guy's yep. arrived, and just nothing after that for two years. Yeah, I mean, he had. He has had one game in his career since that 189-yard game. One game with over 70 yards receiving since then. It's not then. good, guys. Not great. Uh, and even in the Chiefs' Super Bowl run, he managed in his best game uh, five catches for 30 yards. That was the divisional against Jacksonville. Two games after that, one catch for nine yards, one catch for five yards. So... Tony is likely I, just going to be a flame-out bust pick for you this year, I'm afraid to say it. Yeah, I mean, and may, maybe we're dead wrong. He he is a talented player, but just the way the Chiefs have used him, I'd, I'd like the way you put it. I'm, I'm willing to be wrong on Kadarius Tony. Yeah. I don't think the ceiling of if he is good with the Chiefs, it's, it's going to take a big world, I think, for him to hit 1,000 yards in that offense. Like, a lot is going to have to go right that I don't see happening. All right, let's hop into a mini little mailbag segment here. We asked you all some questions on Instagram, and I went through and grabbed a couple of them for the show. First question, Ben, does DeAndre Hopkins have top 15 upside? I don't think so. Feels feels what's wrong to say I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, what's really funny is... So we, I just did a post um, a couple days ago looking at what predicts elite wide receiver finishes. And so the two things over the past couple of years that I've kind of like narrowed down, the two most predictive stats that I can find are quarterback yards per attempt and then just pure target volume for the receiver. So like obviously the more targets you get, the better you're going to do. And then also if you pair a lot of targets with downfield passing essentially, from your quarterback, it equates to fantasy points. Uh, 
lo and behold, the name that pops up when you crunch those numbers together is DeAndre Hopkins because Ryan Tannehill was fifth, no, sixth, sorry, sixth in the NFL last year in yards per attempt, and DeAndre Hopkins was third in targets per game. He had 10.7 targets a game a year ago. So I think if you were to ask me that question prior to doing that research, I would have also agreed with you and said no. But unless the research is flawed, which is, you know, that's possible, I think DeAndre Hopkins does have top 15 upside. Do I project him to finish top 15? No, but I do think he's got that upside. Yeah, I I, I think I agree with that. I'd, I'd like to change my answer because I also, <laughs> uh, well, I also went and looked at the guys going around him. And like DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley are the guys who are at 15, 16. But then you got Debo, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Hopkins. This is just based on ADP. And I can see a world where he finishes ahead of all these guys. And then. Some of these guys are going to get hurt. So, yeah, it's upsides there. He could, I lied. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I don't it think. Was that, gut reaction, no, but yeah. realistically, yeah, probably. I don't think that gut reaction is terrible. Um, it is a, it's not a great offense he's on. I don't, I don't think Tannehill's the guy. I think that offense takes a step back. Yeah. But, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins still is going to get probably 30% of their targets. It, it will be an obscene number of targets. Um, is having Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard on the same team bad? <laughs> Are they bad by themselves? No. Then why would you be concerned about having them on the same team? I So I think a lot of people look at that and they say, oh, you don't want two targets on the same offense. Which Listen, dude. You know, I, I, uh, I, this I get, is a guy who for the <laughs> past few years... Rolls out T. Higgins and Jamar Chase every week. I know, week. That's, where I was, that's where I was going. Like, I understand in redraft, you don't want to draft Jamar Chase in the first and T. Higgins in the third. But, like, and and also, you wouldn't want to draft A.J. Brown in the first or second and then come in the third and grab Devonta Smith. I get that. You don't want your cornerstone pieces to be competing for the same passing pie. But, like, when are Devonta Smith... Good, though. And, Right. When it's a good pie, like, are they going to cannibalize each other some? Yeah, probably. Does it maybe cap some of like the 0.5% scenarios where they go boom? Maybe. But like, they're both good players. I, I think it's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried here. I, no, I, I, yeah. I would not be worried. All right. I'm very curious where you would go on this one. Um, if you had to pick today, you were setting your lineups, and you had to start one of these two players. Who would you start, Javante Williams or Samaj P. Run? Is this like a like I'm on the clock on like drafting, or it's a one week thing? Uh, I guess either one. I thought of it as like you're setting your lineup. Which one are you putting in the lineup today? Okay, so but for I guess either way for week one, like if I'm setting my lineup. And I only have these two guys I can put in a flex. I'd probably do P. Ryan. I think Javante's okay. probably on a snap count, I think. But yeah, if I'm on the likely. clock, I'm taking Javante every time. Yeah, I agree. Okay. 
that's that's the clarification. So like, which is a better draft pick, Javante? Who are you putting in your lineup today if you had to bet? I I would agree, probably P Run. Until but that's we just see, because like, I I want to see Week One. Yes. First, and I want to see Javante do it before I put him in the lineup. But once I see it, I'm locking him in every week. Yeah, but also if you take him in the seventh round or wherever he goes right now, eighth round still maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, he might he might be your flex anyway, so you might just have to like grin and bear it a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah. All right. In the third round, last question here. You're on the clock. I think I know where you're going here. But are you taking Najee Harris or Jameer Gibbs? Dang, we made him think. This one's hard. Man, I thought this was going to be a little bit of a slam dunk. I'm not going to lie to you. It it should be. But the thing is, like, Lord. I think the upside is definitely with Gibbs. But I think Najee is going to be very, very safe week in and week out. Yeah. But a lot, a lot's going to depend on how my first two, first two picks went. I'm gonna shoot for the moon and say Gibbs, but if you want to take Najee, I'm not mad at you. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you either. I think I have Najee right now as my RB eight, and I've got Gibbs like as my RB ten. That that's I think that's when mine is like I've got Najee at nine and Gibbs at ten, but I'm like super high on Gibbs. Yeah. So that's that's the other part of it too. Like the range of outcomes that we're projecting for Gibbs right now is definitely, I think, on the higher end. The range of outcomes I'm projecting for Najee Harris are probably like a middle middle range of like is Najee Harris gonna finish as like the RB fifteen? I unless he gets hurt, I can't see it. But I can also see where Najee Harris is the Josh Jacobs of this coming season, where he has an insane workload. The offensive line's improved. The offense as a whole's improved. He scores touchdowns, and all of a sudden, his yards per carry comes up to like four and a half. I can see that scenario too, and he has 1,400 rushing yards. Yep. Um, so I do think that's for the first the time sentence, in his I career, can see Gibbs being Alvin Kamara right out of the gate. Exactly. So. I, I think if you want to shoot for pure upside, I would not fault you taking Gibbs. I this is it, personal it preference. Does, it it is. I think it depends on those first couple picks in your draft because, like, if I took say, because this is probably you know mid third round or so. Yeah. If I, which means you probably had a mid first, which means I I probably got Tyree Kill as my one. Second round mid-second round, who's there? Um, say I went Hill and Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. I would probably be taking uh, Harris for the yeah, safety. I, I got I got those guys. Hill can be my boom guy. Chubb is my... Or, uh, you know, Devontae's very safe, but he's got boom upside. But say... Say you took Saquon, though, at the end of the first round, and then you took... Devonte in the second, I think and you were going to take one of these two. I would probably go Gibbs. I think I go Gibbs. Yeah, yeah. Because Saquon's very safe and he's got upside. Devonte's very safe but upside. Give me my potential league winner, Gibbs, in the third. Exactly. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. Anything else you want to add before we uh, head out of here? 
I the, this next two weeks is going to be excruciating for me. <laughs> Why is that? I can't because we're so close to football, man. Oh, I know. We're we got so, week zero in college football this coming week. We got what is it? One more week of preseason before the actual NFL gets things going. Next week's the last week of preseason. Then they take a week off, and then the action starts. Hmm. I'm okay like, a little bit going into next week because we've got some college football this Saturday. And then next week, uh, Florida and Utah play on Thursday. Then we've, of course, got a full day of college football. Let's see my Gamecocks. Let's run it up against North Carolina. Let's see exactly how good they are. I hope we're there. And then Sunday, we actually get some action with Florida and L- Florida State and LSU play. And we get Clemson and Duke on the next Monday. So I have something Sunday and Monday to watch football-wise. And then the NFL starts the next week. So if I can get through next week. It is it is very exciting, I will admit. I cannot wait to start watching college football. I can't wait for the NFL to be back. I can't wait for fantasy football to be back and really? better than ever. Um, you couldn't I'm, guess. I'm ready to go start chasing some championships. I again. am. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think we're doing here? <laughs> we're talking about college football. We're here to see people score points in my fantasy lineup. 100%. All right. Uh, once again, if you want some rankings and projections for basically every fantasy-relevant player, check us out on Patreon. There's going to be a link in the description for that. Also, if you enjoy the episode, tell a friend about it, or you can leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. We greatly appreciate all of you, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.